Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, proud of Daisy Ridley being in Smash Brothers Steel. And I'm Jade. I am also a wee. It's Rose. I almost oh. said my next surname was Steel. That's <laughs> just proving how much of a wee you and I, in fact, oh. are. Yeah. Um, happy Pride Month. Hey. Woo. Unfortunately, <laughs> Pride really this month, and I say this month, it kind of gets like this every year. It's definitely felt weighted down by discourse, as so often happens. Uh, the discourse isn't is an all year round thing, but it definitely feels sad that it's even louder in the month that we're supposed to be celebrating our community. Yeah. So this year, um, and especially after our unpopular opinions episode last week, we wanted our Pride episode to be filled with positivity. Uh, so later on, we'll be talking about our favourite aspects about being queer and reading out some of your submissions. But first, let's catch up and geek out. Woo! Catching up and geeking out. How has how has life been since we last recorded? Mm, how has life been? Mm, at the behest of weather. Hmm. Uh, Carrying on with watching Black Sails, indulging in new things, having lots of certain emotions about certain season finale that we're going to talk about in a bit. And <laughs> as per usual for me, uh, filled with tabletop roleplay games and not enough in the way of editing actual play podcasts. Uh, it's a work in progress, guys. It's a work in progress. But uh, going pretty good. What about you? Well, I've had a, I've had a bit of an up and downy type of uh, weeks. I really enjoyed tabling, tabletopping. Uh, with you uh, last week. We recorded an episode of the podcast and I felt um, confidence-wise I definitely improved. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so last week I did a mini tour of uh, my book and it was really fun um, but also kind of stressful. Um, I had a lot of good times but I also lost my Nintendo Switch on the train and all of my games. Um, I had money saved up for some other games, but I used them to rebuy a Switch. I can't replace everything, but um, I'm back. But (laughs) it was kind of annoying. And also the day before E3, which we'll talk about in a moment, of seeing all these lovely Switch games, I was feeling a little bit down. But... um, other things are really cool. I uh, I'm going to New Orleans uh, this Ooh. week. Um, on a sort of promoting Dead End Deer, I'm going to some kind of book conferency thing, Imagig. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's been odd. <laughs> so I haven't had time to be be sad and or uh, stressed or anything. I've just kind of been plowing through. Um, Fair. Speaking it's, of, oh yes, yes. No, go. No, yes. You go in. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 uh, you got to do something fun that I saw you tweeting about it yesterday. That oh is yeah, I hadn't heard anything about. So I want to hear about this. Yeah. Um. This is a bit strange. I got an email last week asking if I'd like to come to the press night of a musical. Uh, I had to read the email several times because I thought it was spam. Mm-hmm. Um, but they specifically mentioned me. Uh, and like some of the things I did. So yeah, I mean, it's very, very small. It's just sort of in the back of a bar. Um, but those are sometimes the best kinds of musicals as, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we have experience going to see some cool stuff like that. Yes. Um, 
And yeah, I went to see Guy, a new musical, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which uh, the branding, um, I guess it's kind of true. It'd be a hard, f- hard show to brand correctly. Um, it looks a little bit like Grinder the musical. Um, and in many ways, it is kind of like that. Um, it's just four actors. Uh, the music is kind of synthy and... Uh, Techno-y. I, I'm not very good at talking about music, as any, <laughs> anyone that has tried to collaborate with me on music has knows full well. Um, and it was really cute. I uh, it was about someone called Guy, who um, is a slightly overweight gay cartoonist who loves Mario Kart, and. Okay. <laughs> uh, I went to see it with Justin, who kept turning to me, just going like, "That's you," um, and not even in a rude way. Like, you know, it was basically a story of my life. Um, mm. I really did enjoy it. The actors were great. Uh, the it was really nice seeing sort of that character. Um, I felt a little like I could tell the writers weren't fat. Or uh, there was a plot with an Asian character and I kind of, similarly, I could sort of tell the the writers weren't Asian. And this isn't necessarily a criticism, I just feel like it felt kind of slightly out of date in some senses. Right. um, Because, like, a lot of the main character's plot was being a thick nerd is the least desirable thing in the gay community. And I'm just like, get on Twitter. You'd like rule the roost. Because uh, he was adorable and very sweet and everything. And I think, um, you know, eventually that's what sort of the message of the show is. And obviously I think people do go through um, those kind of struggles. Um, I just think it amused me because it's been so long since I've ever thought about that. If yeah. you know what I mean? Um, sure, sure, sure. But I think the show really, really uh, came alive when it was kind of leaning more into... It was very funny. All the acts had really good chemistry and and all that. But And, like, you know, all of those little I-would-have-done-it-differently elements aside, Mm. uh, it's really, really... You know, I got emotional seeing a a gay, fat uh, character dancing Mm. and singing emotional songs and doing really cool choreography and being the star of a show. And I was just, Rad. it was really sweet. So um, it is a very small musical. Uh, it's uh, doing a tour of the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you can look up Guy the Musical on Twitter and all sorts to find tickets. Um, it's at the Bunker Theatre in, uh, in, U- in uh, London and then it's going mm-hmm. to Birmingham, uh, Birmingham, Manchester and all sorts. So look for it there. Exciting. Um, from one queer content to another, uh, Queer Eye Season 2. <laughs> that's, uh, the, went... that's our show. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Queer Eye Season 2 dropped this week and I have nearly finished all of it thanks to having a quiet weekend at my disposal. And I feel like on watching it, they took on some of the criticisms for, that they received during Season 1. And in some ways, I feel like they've addressed that. There is a, we saw them working with a lady client this season. 
with a trans guy and it was really kind of refreshing I suppose I don't know whether refreshing is the word I should use but um in the moment with Scott in the episode with Skylar the trans guy uh he and Tan sat down and had a conversation because Tan was like hands up just like I don't know any trans people Mm. and I was just like they're like how are you a part of the queer community and don't know any trans people Mm. and he sort of talks about that and they all and he's talked about like addressing some of his own how he's not involved in certain aspects and how maybe he wishes he was and how he'd got involved sooner. And it was, I think so often we feel as part of the community, like, oh, well, we're in it. And especially for people on the outside looking in go, oh, well, you're part of that community. So you should be aware. And the fact of the matter is, and they say that the Fab Five say that it's just like, you can't know everyone in your community. Mm. Uh, among the five of them, they've got such radically different stories and they're all cis gay men. And it's sort of like, so for them to try and speak for so many different experiences is, impos- is impossible. So it was cool to see that coming up and that kind of discussion being had. I remain having some of my issues that I have with Queer Eye that I have with any show that involves makeovers. Yeah. <laughs> and that it still feels judgy as fuck a lot of the time. And. Well, like in a lot of makeover shows, even if it's making over a house or something, mm. um, you'd like, they really frame it like you've changed their life forever. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you do change a lot of aspects of their life. Um, but, you know, you see what how they're dealing with it a week later and you're wondering, okay, but how. Where are they in a year? Do they go back into old habits? Sure. Um, yeah, but... it, it is one of those things. And it's not a thing that's unique to Queer Eye by any scope of the imagination. I think I saw a friend of mine talking about the show, just like how they find it very, excuse me, compulsive viewing, but also it feels very propagandary of a certain kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, well, you ain't wrong. Mm. Um, and I always get a very kind of bittersweet feeling watching Queer Eye. One, because I think I would really like a makeover kind <laughs> of vibe. I just like, I would like some people to come into my life and buy me a new wardrobe and make over my house and help me with my confidence. But also, and this might have just not been relative to Queer Eye, I might have just been having an odd brain space day, which is sort of the territory given my brain. But I often... And we've discussed this before, you and I, and on the show even, about how I can often feel very cut off from the queer community. And mm. watching um, the uh, the Fab Five doing their thing, and specifically the episode with Skylar, where we saw a view into the queer community, a similar thing. I cannot remember the client in the first season who we saw coming out to, to his stepmom. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, it's that bittersweet reminder that I'm not very involved with my community. And... Yeah, it just makes me feel kind of sad and lonely. So, which is part of why I like doing this podcast, because I get to chat chat with Hamish and I get to sort of talk to our listeners, even though it's a one-way conversation. I was so. about to say, I feel like um, this is definitely a way in which you are involved in the community. Mm. Um, I think both Queer Eye and the musical I was mentioning are examples of how, um, you know, both of those were kind of surprised you at Tan for not knowing any trans people and me at the musical for not knowing about the existence of bears, seemingly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's like, uh, it's not, we saw, I think that there's pressure to be part of the community, but the community is massive and yes. so multifaceted and mm. um, you can 
and uh, yeah, I, and also we've heard from people, and I don't, we don't often blow our own trumpets, but we've heard from people saying that uh, a show like this is kind of a lifeline for people in similar situations where they feel isolated. Um, and not necessarily in a way that means they're closeted, although I'm sure that's the case as well, but just, you know, once you come out, it doesn't instantly become like queer as folk and whatever. It can still be kind of lonely if you're, Mm. you know. So I think something like Queer Eye is also nice because um, it's just so rural a lot of the time and very, like... uh, I'm glad that they are uh, making over queer people as well. Because mm. I think one of the valid criticisms the original series got was like, it was felt more then that this is what a gay man's like, and yes. they are coming into the world of the straights. Um, very binary in that sense. Um, so I'm really excited to watch series two, but I haven't got around to it yet. Yeah. No, there's definitely some, uh, there's some, definitely some good ones. Um, I suppose I want to kind of, this is a subject that I don't often talk about uh, (laughs) because it's not my wheelhouse at all, but um, the wheelhouse kind of drove into my wheelhouse. (laughs) It's like two caravans collided and suddenly my sphere of interest collided with uh, the game sphere. We've just had E3. Yes. And uh, one of, I think there's E3 is twice a year. I don't know game culture. I follow a bunch <laughs> of game journalists because of other things they do. So uh, all of a sudden, every so often, I'm reminded, oh, yeah, I follow a lot of people who are in the games industry or who are deeply invested in the game industry. And never do I feel less of a gamer than during <laughs> E3. However, there's a lot of talk about how this year was the queerest E3 ever. Mm. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, shall we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much to be the queerest E3 ever. True. Um, I say with all my vast knowledge of video games. <laughs> um, I guess the, the the most significant aspect was um, Sony launched its conference. So E3 is once a year. It's um, th- it's a sort of a big expo, but unlike a normal Comic Con, it's kind of mixture for press and shareholders and all kinds of things. Um, but different companies treat it very differently. And uh, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft uh, used to um, have these huge conferences where they basically show off a bunch of games for the future. Nintendo doesn't do that anymore. Um, it instead basically puts up a video because they do little things called Nintendo Directs all year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, Sony began its big conference with a trailer for The Last of Us Part 2, mm-hmm. which involves the main character, Ellie, kissing a lady friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't say, not even in a brief peck, peck kind of way, a this spinning, romantic. yes, a spinning round them slow motion romantic kiss, um, which made me realize how many of the very few same gender kisses I'd seen in me in uh, video games had been uh, both characters sort of facing away from the camera, so they don't actually like animate any lips. Mm-hmm. Um, the detail on the lip movement was very good, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I think that that was definitely a um, I don't know a, a a call of I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know what the phrase is. Um, Fair enough. A, state, a statement. 
Sure. Um, but other queerness is few and far between, but that's yes. still cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to come back to The Last of Us 2 um, in a moment, but I know there was also the announcement for the new Assassin's Creed game that will be coming out set in ancient Greece. Um, and if... When, regardless of if you choose to play as um, the male assassin or the female assassin, Cassandra, you can treat NPCs the same way. So mm. you can flirt. If you're a woman, you can flirt with ladies or with men. And if you're a man, presumably, though this was not seen, you can flirt with both men and women. And let's just say the character designed for Cassandra with those <laughs> nice arms. Like, <laughs> I got to say, like, I was checking my Twitter feed the morning after going, okay, so Twitter's very fond of this Cassandra. Who is she? <laughs> okay, cool. Everyone seems to be a fan. So. Um, yeah, those are the two main examples I, I've seen. Mm. Um, uh, it's cool. It's very cool. Uh, it's just also not enough, you know. I there has been queer representation in games for a while. Mm. Um, I have this kind of uh, uh, category I slot them into, okay. where they both are cool, and I like both. But um, essentially, I think there's a difference between. LGBTQ characters who are written that way mm. and a game allowing you the option to flirt with whoever okay. because I feel one is representation that everyone playing the game will see and the other is representation that you don't have to see if you don't pursue that sure um, and so that's I mean it it's cool that so many um, video game characters are kind of bisexual by uh gameplay mechanics in some way yeah um but i think that in my head there is a a subtle slight difference Mm. you know and i think and this is where i'm going to come back to the last of us as well there is still the ongoing issue of a lack of or a comparative lack of queer male characters compared to queer female characters yeah and the it it remains the fact that the target audience, r- ridiculously so, given the numbers involved, is straight white men. And so for them, the portrayal of women who are, are like queer women, women who love women, arguably is still fetishization more than anything else. And there is a lot of uh, insightful conversations going on right now about that, particularly with regards to Ellie um, in the in the Last of Us Part Two, and there are, we also run into options. One, as I said, with the trailer, which was designed for a largely male audience, straight male audience going out, just like okay, cool, here's some girls kissing, have fun with that. It's that immediately cuts to extreme violence. Mm. And there is some heavy insinuation in the gameplay trailer that something is going to happen to the girlfriend character. Who uh, I forget the character's name. I know it's been said. I know the actress is Shannon uh, Woodward. So, and mm. this then we this runs full on into the trope of bury your gaze of horrible things, and also how women or lesbian characters are portrayed in as being these very violent characters. And I don't have an issue, and this is something I spoke uh, to uh, Tom about, is that I don't have issue with 
women being portrayed as violent people in ga- games. So much of gameplay or a lot of the games out there is characters doing violent things. And you and I have talked about this so much is the problem arises when this is the only kind of representation that we get to see. Mm. And yeah, the fetishization of lesbians and the portrayal of them in certain lights and oh, okay, now we're going to kill somebody off as quote man pain, which I'm using because we, we know the trope, even if it is a female character that has a wrong done to them or a lost one taken mm. from them as motivation. It's I, not great. Yeah. I, I So Naughty Dog that make that game and... Um, oh yeah, I've got issues with Naughty Dog as well. Uncharted. So this isn't, this isn't necessarily an issue, it's just something that's kind of interesting about gaming is... Naughty Dog get praised a lot for how good their stories are. Mm. Um, and they are not bad, but... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. they get praised a lot for um, Unchar- Uncharted. And I've played all the Uncharted games. I like them. Mm. But I think more so than they're amazing storytellers, what gamers are feeling is this is exactly like a movie. Yes. And... Uh, as someone that, uh, uh, unpopular opinion time, I did actually state this during E3, mm. t- trailers for games that don't show any gameplay make me very like worried and confused. Um, mm. They really tick a lot of people's boxes, but I really do think games are, to me, gaming is more exciting when it embraces its own medium and isn't just trying to recreate films. Um, and so much of like AAA gaming these days is just like amazingly detailed and like accurate cinematic stuff, and then you run and shoot people. Yeah. And uh, something like uh, Uncharted, people always praise the storyline, but if it was a film, it would be a kind of a three star action film. Yeah. And what I worry about is if games keep trying to be like movies that they'll just incorporate all of the tropes and all the bad aspects mm. of mainstream cinema just yeah. to trick audiences to thinking their game is like excellent yeah. because it's just like a film. Sure. So it's, I don't know. I'm really excited. I, I've, I've sounded a little negative, but like, I'm very glad mm. it's there. Um, Last of Us is cool. <laughs> yes. And um, it is kind of so very gratifying uh, for all my issues and my my worries, the fact of the matter is that this is an unapologetically gay character who was, I believe Ellie was established as gay in the downloadable content. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the name of it. I saw people talking about it. And I always find it very amusing to see people go, oh, well, why have they done this? Why have they made so many? No, they already were. She already was a lesbian, guys. That was mm. clear. I thought you were supposed to be like super hardcore gamers. Did you not play the DLC? Yeah. Like, how did you not know? And then there's a whole thing. Oh, well, this could be a friendship kiss. It's like, boy, <laughs> I do not know. I mean, I mean, I would like it if my friends wanted to kiss me like that. I sometimes. need to get myself some of those friends. I need some of those friends. But yes, it it again. It's always that 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 double edged sword with representations. Like, yes, one of us, one of us. Oh, but kind of not like that. Mm, okay. Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, and the thing you said about men is really true as well, because as much as this was amazing to open a show that way, um, I feel like it'll be another 10 years before, if that, you ever open a show with men kissing, just because, mm-hmm. uh, 
like a small thing, but um, and I've said this before, and people have corrected me because of patches and all that stuff and whatever. But yes, in the recent Mass Effect, uh, relationships between uh, men and women and women and women all got like a makeout scene and all that stuff, and you could mm. date people in your own party, whereas. Like the one male male option was some random NPC with a fade to black kind of yeah. romance scene, and it's just like, are do people think they'll be grossed out because I'm pl- literally playing this game to date people because that's why I play games. Yeah. Um, I've said this before, like the romance options of games are always side parts, and except for dating games, obviously, but in these like big AAA games. But there are a massive reason why people play them, and I do genuinely think, like, no jokes if they made something which is basically Assassin's Creed, but instead of killing people, you are mm-hmm. just an ancient Greece dating people uh, with, like, much deeper romance stuff. I but think Hamish, be... haven't you heard? Like, <laughs> it was very straight in ancient Greek society, <laughs> you know? Yes. Only I've... men and women together. Mm-hmm. I've just finished doing a comic about Alexander the Great, uh-huh. um, which basically <laughs> just like lists every single like factoid we ever know about his relationship mm-hmm. with Hephaestion. Yeah. And then at the end, uh, the final panel is a historian going, wow, what good friends. Because mm. um, I'm salty. Yeah. Uh, I guess... Talk- yes, no, please. Oh, what were you going to say? I, d- I was going to move on to the next topic, but I was just going to say, uh, as a Nintendo fan, uh, and my complete blind side to the fact that Nintendo has like almost completely never done any queer representation in any of their games, uh, but they're my faves. <laughs> mm. uh, and uh, you, before the show, asked uh, who I'll be maining in Smash Brothers. Yes, uh, I like the look of the new characters. Um, my joke earlier was about there's now a character called Daisy and now a character called Ridley so I saw mm-hmm. a lot of memes of people just posting pictures of Daisy Ridley with like mm-hmm. this is who I'm maining um, but I've always mained Zelda and mm-hmm. uh, instead of making her all the Zelda characters in the new one uh, they used to make sure all the Zelda characters looked like they were from the same game mm-hmm. um, and this time they've really pushed it further and made them all look like they're from representing different times so she's got a really nice retro look and i'm excited to play as her but uh what topic were you going to move on to i was going to move on to something unapologetically unabashedly queer that chooses (laughs) to make no qualms about what it is about and i want to talk briefly or maybe not that briefly about the sensei series finale Yes. Uh, I think it's possible to talk about this without complete direct character spoilers, but I guess mm. if you do want to listen to this, um, jump forward. Yes. Uh, five minutes, maybe. Maybe, um, yeah. How do you feel? I, right, leaving aside, like, the fact of the matter is they had to condense what would have been a series, a season's worth of TV and plot into a two and a half hour. Yeah. Uh, wrap up so obviously some characters didn't get the time to shine that they would have done aspects felt rushed and like plot threads were not all tied off neatly and and despite the fact there was limited time there they kept shoving some more good good well building in there just like Mm -hmm. we're not gonna stop feeding you new information just because it's the series finale because we know you like it and you know we do but I spent like the last 20 minutes of it 
crying happy tears and mm. that it says nothing of the emotional roller coaster I was on before that. If you've seen it and you want a really fun read, go back and find Rowan Ellis's live tweeting of the Sensate finale because <laughs> it's fucking fantastic and she is speaking to my soul in that tweet thread, quite frankly. But there were these great moments and one of the things I particularly loved about it is the extended cluster got to mm. all be have weight in the finale everyone having everyone together was great and yet they were still visiting each other in cl- and doing all the creative camera work that we come to love even though nigh on all of them were in the same space for the most of it yeah, yeah they were still doing these fun things that they've that we've come to associate and love with sensei i love that in the season finale we got a scene where everyone was jamming to the same song, but they were sharing headphones with their significant others who aren't in the cluster so everyone could share in that moment together. Mm. And then it wouldn't be Sensei without, you know, an extended sex scene. And the mother again, of all. The mother uh. of all. The thing is, and I saw some, I think it may have been Nemo, who we've had as a guest on the show, saying that, and I apologise to Nemo in advance if I'm putting words in their mouth here, but it's just like, although it was an unapologetically a sex scene, uh, what they were saying was it didn't feel exclusionary to them as an ace person because mm. it felt like such an expression of love and togetherness. It wasn't about porn. This isn't about sex. Well, it is, but it isn't like sexualized. It was more about showing how much these people care for each other. And it was just like a physical manifestation of their love and connection. Yeah. I mean, in all media, you sometimes get told um, that sort of sex scenes, musical numbers and fight scenes are the same thing because they're kind of like a moment when normal plot stops. And if you're not telling something with that scene if a fight scene is just a fight scene and it's not actually telling you anything about the characters or anything about the story, it shouldn't be there. Mm. Same with like bad musicals when it's just, there's a song and it's got no information. Um, Sensei is one of the few times when sex scenes happen because the characters want to have sex. And that's, that's like satisfying enough as a story reason. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a lot of sex in it, but yes. And, and, it's even, you know, it's very sexy. It's very well shot. Yes, but it's beautiful. It's the the story it's telling is these characters enjoy having sex with each other, and yeah. that's like good enough. It's a celebration of love and of mm. queer love specifically. And I love because Hamish messaged me this earlier. It's just like that final shot, though. <laughs> the fact that they chose to close Sensei on a shot of a rainbow dildo visibly having been used yeah. is so perfectly encapsulating of what Sensei has been. And the fact of the matter of that we had this wonderful wedding vow uh, from Amanita, which is such a middle finger to all those red pill thinkers who prioritize reason over emotion. Mm. And it's just like, nah, you don't get what we're about. This is what we're about. And that's funny coming from the Wachowskis. Yes. Because of the whole yeah. red pill thing from them. I mean, yes. actually, this, uh, in some ways, this reminded, this felt Sensei at its most matrixy in some ways. Um, mm hmm. I felt the certain kind of new characters and scenes and it was very action heavy, but yes, uh, the, I can't actually remember the name. I, I literally watched this um, like mm. a few, an hour before we start recording. Uh, but the scene in the sort of church 
with the elders. Yes. Uh, felt very like Matrix sequelsy. Yes. <laughs> uh, but in like a way that made me kind of happy and nostalgic, even yes. though I don't think there's very good movies. It felt me. I felt this is. In many ways, I feel like Sensei is everything the Wachowskis have learned through their films, and they have been mm. very experimental. And they have. Uh, I was talking to someone today about the Wachowskis and that they uh, tackle themes with a sledgehammer rather than yes. a scalpel. Um, and they've definitely, in some ways, I feel them as problematic faves. Mm. Um, but I just think Sensei is just, and especially, you know, Lana, who ended up directing most of the second series. Mm. Um, it just feels like a culmination of everything they've tried to say with film. Yes. And I just, I like that it was an unapologetically happy ending for Yes. Them. Because they went through so much and we got to have resolution to certain threads that were just all like, oh no, oh no, Jonas. And I was very glad that Jonas got, we got to find out what was going on with him. And uh, speaking as our resident uh, polyamorous podcast host, the resolution of Wolfgang, Carla and Rajan, I lost my goddamn mind. I was shrieking in delight. I was like, are they doing this? I've been hope like I've been saying for ages. Oh come on, Carla, you can love both. It'll be fine. And one, she was like, "Okay, I love both of you." Okay, cool. Okay, cool. And then Wolfgang and Rajan are coming together, and I'm like, "Holy shit, Christmas! It's Christmas!" But oh like, my god, this and it's like we knew Wolfgang was queer. Hmm. We knew this, but then to have Rajan come into this, one accept everything because he loves. Carla, and then to be into Wolfgang as well. Like, we know Wolfgang can feel how Carla feels about Rajan. Because mm. that's how sensates work. But Rajan just be like, okay, cool. So this is a thing. I, I feel mean- like season one, uh, I think season two and this finale and the Christmas special um, did a bit of course correcting with Rajan because in season one, uh, a lot of the characters, a lot of the sensates, set up with pretty cliched things mm. we'd seen before, especially with the people of color, which has been a criticism you've heard before. Yes. Um, and I think they, instead of kind of ignoring that and just getting her away from her storyline, actually doubling down and making it a real focus, but then making it far more nuanced and surprising mm-hmm. was such a good idea. Cause it's just, and also the fact that by the end of a show, you have two sort of, poly relationships but they're very different mm-hmm. um because even towards the end uh lito and hernando uh mm-hmm. and oh i've forgotten danny. her name danny danny yes we're still all kissing each other but like their relationship is different to uh the other poly relationship mm-hmm. and that's ignoring the fact that it's eight people plus all their partners as a yes. massive sort of Clusterfuck, as we like to use. Yes, the most positive term, of the the most positive use of clusterfuck that there could ever be. Um, You know, I'm I'm happy the show Mm. got that ending and it's over and it's now to me as a... Complete uh, thing? Yeah. I was going to say a perfect show. It's not perfect. No. But it's... it, It feels like... It's like another reason why I love Speed Racer from the Wachowskis is like they set out to do something and they achieved their goal. Yes. Like whether you like it or not and whether it like Mm. 
completely works is kind of irrelevant yeah. because it's just something that they experimented with and it paid off. Yeah. I was just, I was very happy. I was just very, very happy. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like every weddings, every wedding should possibly have like drag queens dressed as fairies handing out magic brownies. <laughs> Like, and curing transphobia. And curing transphobia, yeah. I need me some of those brownies. I have definitely got people that I could feed some transphobia curing brownies to. It was magical. It, and like, that, that I, I, I mean, at, at, in the wedding, it like just like more and more characters kept on showing up. And like, yeah. I'm so happy because like Sylvester McCoy is, is my... Mr. is my Boy. doctor I love in his Boy. little hat and his umbrella full mm-hmm. scottish that can't be unintentional mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and like genuinely i knew he was in the final episodes but i was like i don't want to see sylvester mccoy shot in the head or something uh but like mm. it was so unapologetically happy like you said I just... and people, everybody all the good guys got to live yeah yeah, end more shows just, with happy endings. Yes, yes, I won't. We won't get into more details about because otherwise, because Hamish and I haven't gotten to talk about the sensate finale yet. No. So we'll talk more off mic. But um, we'll wow. put a time code. Yeah, we'll we'll do a time code. But um, I don't know about you, but we have talked and gushed a lot. So I could use a little bit of liquid refreshment. How about you? I feel exactly the same. We must be sensates. Ah. Oh. It's the middle section of the show. The interval, the break, the whatever, the breather. breather. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We really appreciate it. If you do have a moment rating review and subscribing, subscribing uh, is very appreciated. And maybe uh, chuck an episode towards a friend. Be yes. like, hey, yo, check out these fun friends talking about queer shit and nerdy shit. We should start giving gifts for Pride. <gasps> yes. This is yes. your Pride This is your pride present. <laughs> make it... this, this is going to have to be a thing now, next year. <laughs> uh, make this your Pride present to someone else. Or, if you have a little bit more money, <gasps> why not? Guess who's back in the house? <laughs> uh, you know them. You love that, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're new, and we're about to tell you about something amazing. Beastly beverages. Fan yes, of they are a spon- luxury hand blended loose leaf tea and tea related geek paraphernalia. They are our sponsors again. Uh, the business is queer owned. All ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all their products are suitable for vegans. Oh. We are big Beastly Beverages fans. Uh, love them. I managed I- to pick up. Ooh. But, I mean, they do teas and things, but I managed to pick up a lot of a bunch of stuff at Comic Con this week, this year, uh-huh. whatever. Nice, 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 nice. I have a, a moment of I got a moment of huh pride. Amusingly enough, uh, I'm not going to say which, but uh, I was informed by the delightful Tea Wizard himself that one of the blends that's come out recently, um, he had me in mind when hmm. he was creating it and it makes me incredibly happy and having now drunk that tea i feel very proud to have been like part <laughs> of the inspiration behind it so that was exciting if you want to get your hands on some of these teas check them out on bcbeverages.com they also have a patreon a facebook a tumblr twitter and instagram we also have a new sponsor code it's exciting it's awesome 
it's it's problematic. <laughs> you use the word problematic. No, no fancy spelling, just the word itself, and you can get ten percent off your order. Yeah, and that BBC Beasley Beverages ships worldwide. You uh, nearly said BBC, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that is Beverage Beast, and they're going to be tabling at, I say they, uh, the Tea Wizard himself and his delightful minions will be at MCM Manchester Comic Con this year, uh, which is the 28th through the 29th of July. So if you're going to be at there, check it out, get yourself some awesome tea or some paraphernalia. And, uh, the uh, Gabe himself vlogs at T Beast on YouTube, and we might be showing up there at some point. We'll let you know when we do. Yes. Um, other than that, yeah, piece of averages. <laughs> uh, I'm, it's good stuff. Okay, I'm not going to do the this time around. I'm not going to do the slogans thing. Only misery goes down that way. <laughs> um, Only misery follows. Anything you want to promote? Um, mm, no, not this. I'll keep it quiet for now. Actually, no, I will. This Friday, so whatever the date on Friday is, 22nd, 20, 22nd, 21st, 22nd, Ju- June, we're in June, June 22nd. Uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Look, I have a fragile grasp on both time and space. Um, a new campaign that I'm a part of. I have mentioned this briefly before, but we have our first on-air session. We've had session zero. We've done a lot of character creation. Uh, we now have a hashtag. Uh, it's hashtag the second breakfast club, which <laughs> is very, makes me very happy. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow an arc, a tiefling arcane trickster, a human hexblade warlock, a drow historian, a half-elf academic, and a furbolg knight getting up to high-level hijinks, we will be streaming uh, on alternate Fridays starting this week. And you can find us at Natural Ruckus on Twitch, or you can catch up the VOD on YouTube after the fact. Nice. Um, and you, sir? I My book, Dead End Ear, The Watcher's Test, is out. I think I mentioned that before, but you can get it on Amazon or at your local bookshop and comic shops. comes out in America in August, however. Um, but it's going well. It's cool. If you like ghosts, you like queers, that's your book. <laughs> I just got sent a very cute Snapchat of a French bulldog. I got very distracted. I'm sorry. <laughs> Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Uh, <laughs> well, as you uh, continue to enjoy that, shall we head back? Let's head back. So we've had some geeking out and some positivity. Um, let's talk Pride or let's talk our positive spin on Pride. Yeah, we did a Pride episode last year, which I haven't gone back to check, and I'm sure it wasn't too negative, but I find oh, myself... Oh, dang positive. Yeah, I find myself on Twitter uh, talking a lot, uh, sounding sort of anti-Pride, um, but I think that's a lot more to do with uh, specifically the organisation London Pride that organises the London event, um, which I find very commercialised and not very relevant to uh anything yeah. uh i'm kind of excited though because um in a couple of weekends is walthamstow pride which is the borough i live in Ooh. um which i think is going to just be me and like 10 other people <laughs> nice. um but it's the first time they're doing it and i'd love to be there at the start and like help guide it into something that is the pride i want to see you'll have to ping me the details i'll try to come up for that Mm, cool. Um, how about you? Um, there are some 
small pride events happening down in uh, Kent where I am. There's nothing uh, directly where I live. I also just missed one which was frustrating because I didn't know about it ahead of time. But I think it's the second year of Margate Pride that I am going to try to get down to. Though it's, I think it's like the weekend after Nine Worlds, so yeah. I may be dead to the world if it's not the weekend of Nine Worlds, in which case I won't be going. But also there is Folkestone Pride happening, I think, in July. So I am going to try and get down to that. Though I run into the issue of not knowing what colours to wear and what, flags to paint on my mm-hmm. face because gender and sexuality are complicated yo i know uh, the rainbow gets used a lot for um gay people gay men especially because though. there is a we don't really have a specific flag for us but um mm. i think it it's it's for everybody that's very true um, I went when I went to York on my little book tour. It was the day after Pride, so there was yeah. a lot of stuff still up. Um, and shout out to York Pride for uh, booting the Tories out of their parade. Hell there was yes. a tweet about how we're not going to be attending Pride because we always get heckled, and I'm like good as good. it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when I was in York, I saw uh, this isn't very relevant, but I saw a street preacher talking about sin and things like that. And um, I saw a couple of very old ladies, one with bright green hair and one with <gasps> bright pink hair, yes. uh, look at him from across the street. And one of them goes, oh, I want to punch him in the face. And the other one saying, you want to punch everybody in the face. Uh, and then they went to go get some tea. <laughs> Life goals. I know. It was amazing. amazing. Um, but yeah, so a vague theme I came up with in the last few minutes of last episode Um was what is your favourite thing about being queer? Hmm. That's sort of a, a hard thing to quantify because, I don't know, it's sort of hard to extract from myself what parts of my queerness, I guess. Yeah. Because it feels so integrated into to who I am as a person and where do I separate the stuff that is my queerness from the stuff that is my autism from the stuff that is just jade and down to the core but there are definitely sort of things i suppose that are unique to to the queerness aspect of who i am but i i don't i it's it's a i are the our people are people our, our wonderful listeners who sent stuff in highlighted some wonderful stuff and some of it's small and some of it's big and i'm like yes 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 all of that mm. but um I, like, I think, one, because I have always been weird. I have always been an outsider. Um, I've always felt different from people, and people have always mocked me for being different. And one of the things I love about qu- being queer is that that's so many of us. Mm. And, like, we're here together on the outside going, yeah, no. I like the word queer, and I've talked about this before, because it applies to so much of who I am. Like, queer is in weird. Queer is in fuck you. <laughs> queer is in my love has no label and neither does my gender. And so I use queer because it is everything and it encompasses all that I am and all how I choose to be. I'm a fucking weirdo that society on large wouldn't want to be, wants me to hide away. And fuck it, fuck them. Yeah. I like being queer because it's a fuck you. 
I like being queer for the quiet little moments that you share, maybe in a cinema where there is a moment or where you see a film like Pride and you feel this unity with somebody or with a part of your history that you hadn't felt before. I loved, uh, inadvertently, had a ace, the colours of the ace flag on my cheek as part of a cosplay I did and the amount of people that that made happy. Mm. Just like, and they loved it. And I was like, I hadn't even considered that, but that moment of connection, that moment of sitting with somebody and like talking about how you're attracted to the same person when you haven't been able to talk about it before. Yeah. So my favorite stuff about being queer, for all I say, I like being weird and unapologetic. I like the quiet stuff because mm. I, while people like to think of me as quite a big person, I suppose like vibrancy and things like that, I'm not very good at that for the most part. So I like the quiet things. I like the friendships that it's brought me. You're a glow worm. Thank you. What? <laughs> like a little bright thing that's quiet and peaceful, but Aww. from an outside perspective, it's shining and multicolored and, Aww. you know, you know, you said that you feel like a loud and big or big person, mm. but I think, you know, you're, rainbow hair and hmm. all of that um is you expressing yourself so that you don't have to be screaming and shouting and like leading the parade you can be i like the queer small moments as well i think my favorite thing about being queer is just the people i know like yeah uh knowing you and knowing justin and mel and um you know i sometimes i get a bit sad thinking about how uh, I got married and then I met all of my closest friends. Yeah. Um, you know, Mel did come and I had old school friends, but uh, I kind of got my makeshift queer family uh, in the years after that. Um, and like, that's another thing I like is that it seems like it's never, you're never too old to start ha meeting friends mm. uh, because you have the shared experience and this, yes sort of shared uh, rejection of the rest of the world in some yeah. way. I mean, you and I spoke about nerddom as well, about like you aren't automatically going to become friends with somebody because you're into the same TV show or you both mm. are big fans of the same movie. And that both is and isn't true, I think, of being queer because you might both be gay and have utterly different experiences of what that's meant for you and might not relate at all. But I think there is that solidarity there. Even as as first bricks go and building a bridge between two people, that's that's a hell of a good one. Mm. Because it is for a lot of queer people, especially maybe younger people. I could be wrong. I don't want to speak out of turn, and I'm aware of saying that as somebody in my early thirties. It is such a big part of who we are. Mm. or how we think about ourselves that when you have that overlap with somebody there is that immediate engaging kind of ah you are my people we talk about finding fa finding our families finding our tribes that's a part of it in a big way i think from certain outsider point of views they'd think that the reason i feel happier if i'm with gay people or queer people is because, oh, I can be attracted to them or something. And there's nothing to do with that. It's like, there's a person I see occasionally on the commute who has um, 
a bisexual pin badge. Mm. And on the few times that I have found myself in the uh, lift up from the tube, mm. uh, I just feel generally a bit happier or safer or... Um, it's made me start wearing my little pin badges just so that, yeah. uh, that kind of connection of we're there for you, we're, you're not like you're safe here kind of yes. vibe, yes. um, you know, yeah. not always, not always true, but mm. in a percentage of being safer, it is definitely quantifiable. Uh, I saw this great tweet the other day uh, from a creator. I enjoy one of the creators of the Penumbra podcast uh, talking about how, uh, about making an effort to look more visibly queer. So when you wind up staring at other queer at queer couples, when you're by yourself, people don't think that you are judging them, but rather yeah. it's that we, we've talked before about that. Please don't think I'm staring at you because I hate what you are. <laughs> I'm staring at you because yes, you're there, you're visible and I see you and I love you mm. because you are me and I am you. I yeah. am also a we. I did that. I did a little comic about that. of just mm. stood staring at uh, two women holding hands and it's, yeah. Out of like, gosh, I wish that were me. <laughs> Not like, mm. yeah. But yeah, um, Sophie was talking about, uh, because uh, they're AFAB, talking about like purposely dressing more androgynously, like more masculine and like sitting with like a leg up on the show, like, you know, doing the lesbian sit. Like, <laughs> and uh, her friend who's one of the actors on the show, uh, Noah, was talking about how making sure like to sit, maybe like uh, making sure that he's uh, gay pride bracelet was visible and stuff like mm. that and just like sitting more so people go oh that's an effeminate looking man staring at me uh, me, me, me and my girlfriend oh 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 one of us one of us mm -hmm. and it's just like those signifiers that we're desperately trying to broadcast when we see others in public because let's bring back let's bring back polari like let's <laughs> i want the code i want the handkerchief code. i want something i want mm. us to be able to wink at people and they know what i mean and i don't want um, the to know about it I know. Um, we actually got so many submissions, and in our little uh, shared Google oh, Doc that we use, I've so dumped much. everything. So I we'll start, and we'll see where we get to. And um, yes, 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 yes. But yes, yes. the first one has a little bit of a question, so I was going to say that first. And it's uh, all of these come from our Facebook group, except for this one on Twitter mm -hmm. um, from MB Prend. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry. Uh, growing up, every queer kiss was novel, and that made me smile. But now I can appreciate that moments show. Uh, I can appreciate the moments shown in media. Uh, when you see something positive in queer media, do you appreciate the moment more than novelty? God, yes. Yeah. It makes my heart ache, usually in the good way. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's definitely that moment of, oh, yes. It's so strange to me how it's so rare in mainstream movies because on the few occasions I've, uh, you know, I went to see Star Trek Beyond when Sulu, uh, you know, holds his husband's hand and walks off with their daughter, there was like a cheer from the audience. Yeah. Um, when I saw Love, Simon at a dramatic kiss moment, there was a huge cheer from the audience. Like, mm. it's, I do understand that novel feeling. I think yes. when I wasn't, I remember when I wasn't really out yet and I watched Doctor Who with my brothers, whenever, we talked before how Doctor Who had like a lot of mm. uh, queer mentions. Um, every single moment that happened, I feel was kind of weird, like, impulse to sort of eye roll and distance myself from it yeah um 
and I would get very kind of hot, and I, I not in like a turned on way, in a like. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, fris- yeah, I could feel every kind of hair on my body, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I feel like. It's so rare that it can't be normalized. Mm. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels more than novelty. It feels like. Uh, like especially in something like Star Trek, mm. that was the first time that I existed in the universe of Star Trek, sure. so I could kind of imagine myself there. Um, mm. I don't know. No, I, I know what you mean. Okay, Gabriel over on the Facebook group, and as Hamish said, yeah, my favorite thing about being queer is that once I discovered who I am, it gave me a barrier against those who try to tell me who I should be. Society still sways me, but it has no hold on me. Fuck yeah. Um, Amar says, for me, being bi queer has made me more comfortable with myself as a person. I still get those days when I'm down on myself, but to be sure of a part of myself has helped uh, times to keep me grounded. Also, my pool of crushes gets to expand immensely, so that's a nice plus. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, Nick said, I feel like being queer gives a sense of freedom, or at least I do what I want to experiment with my own aesthetics. Admittedly, I tend to go more for choosing particular clothes and decorations when I go out as opposed to dyeing hair or body modifications, but there just feels like less of a constraint, which is, I like that. Yeah, that. I was actually thinking this yesterday. Um, <laughs> floral floral shirts are big in this year for everyone, including mm. straights. But a uh, <laughs> the vibe I get from a bunch of straight guys in uh, florals exiting a pub after seeing the World Cup mm. is very different to <laughs> two floral boys on a train sort of playing with each other's hair. Yeah. Um, and even though they could be wearing the same shirt, I feel there's a different, uh, on the few times I've been a bit more exciting with my dress sense, I've felt it as more of a, a small special moment to me than just being fashionable. Yeah. And, um, Melissa said, uh, to that, I really like looking queer and that's the Mm. thing I do too. It's just like, I really hope that I look as queer as I feel, or at least if I can look half as queer as I feel, then, Yes. Gemma said, uh, being able to simultaneously be attracted to Loki and Valkyrie. Yes. Uh, Good one from Benjamin. The look of disappointment on old friends' faces when they realise implying you're gay is no longer a comeback, so they have to work harder to drag you. Just like, yes. (laughs) Fuck them. Oh, yeah, you like guys? Uh, Yeah. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan, I like being queer. Uh, I think being queer made me a better person. I honestly think if I'd, I'd be even more insufferable if I was straight. I think being queer gave me more empathy and allowed me to be more uh, cognizant um, of oppressed points of view. And I think that's true. I think yes, agreed. Um, it's not doesn't it's not true of every queer person, but true. I think actually we had a brief talk about the word queer and how this isn't this is so generalized and i don't um i think identifying as queer give implies a certain percentage of interest in like the movement of uh 
our place in the world, our mm. our rights and our history. And maybe that's not completely true, but I do think being queer has made me more aware of other issues in the world that aren't related to being queer because yes. um, it, I could have very easily been the most privileged person in the world and I still am very privileged. Um, but it definitely helps me with some perspective. Mm. Uh, Tayo said, um, I guess that it's knowing that I'm never going to fully fit in um, as a gay black guy. It just feels way less like I have to do or be anything and instead uh, in comfortable spaces, the rules are gone and I can be whatever the fuck I want and that's awesome. And just like, yes, 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 yes. Donovan said, this happened fairly recently, but I have a younger relative who's gender fluid and has trouble opening up to people. And they end up getting a thank you message from their dad because they had a good time at a family event and apparently had a lot to do with me being openly bisexual and engaging with them. So that's my favorite thing so far, being able to help, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I feel that, Donovan. Like, that's mm -hmm. how like part of why doing this podcast is so wonderful is because people have said to us like us just being voices on the internet mm -hmm. unapologetically who we are it's it's cool um and lastly uh for ali uh, from ali i like being in a lesbian relationship because it doesn't have the same rules and expectations as straight relationships and i think it's a better partnership since our life experiences are more similar i also like being able to choose how we present in public we don't always have to be a relationship unit since most people don't immediately assume we're together and for being queer in general i like the built-in community yeah i think just the feeling that uh you can make your own rules mm. um in a relationship um we talked a little bit about that with Sensei, where, you know, there's various poly relationships on show. Uh, poly and, relationships. Yeah, sorry. Um, and the uh, feeling that you just don't need to subscribe to the rules set out by, you know, millenniums. Heteronormative, <laughs> heteronormative. Yeah, yeah. So. We are who we are. Mm-hmm. I don't think that define what that is. Yeah, That's and super cool. I'm glad we read all those out because yeah, even yeah. if you read, even if you read them on the Facebook group, I just think um, mm. sharing our feelings with each other is just really nice, and yeah. I'm glad we did that. So often, I think we, because of the nature of the world that we live in, we do get kind of bogged down in the negative side of things. How? the world likes to make us feel bad or how about the, the differences that we have in our community or the problems that we have and it's easy to get bogged down in that so it's so nice to just like celebrate the good stuff mm -hmm. it's uh, really rad speaking of celebrating the good stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> if you uh, have anything you want to ask us any point you want to make anything at all please Think about sending us an email at boxnotincluded.gmail.com or talking to us on Twitter, Tumblr, and our Facebook group, all Box Not Included. Uh, all of these questions came from the Facebook group, and I couldn't have been more happy with how much people uh, responded. And we try to um, put up questions before all the episodes so that you can have your point put across. And mm -hmm. yeah, I like the little community we've created. Yeah. If you want to talk to us directly, I'm at Hamish Steele on Twitter. And I'm at Jade Oxford Rose. 
And as always, we want to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord and Master of the Soundwaves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. We're here. We're queer. You're you're all used to it by now. (laughs) But uh, we're going to keep doing it anyway. Oh, and uh, like we always say, (laughs) don't let anyone box you in. (laughs) 